Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Hey, Rainmakers. Today, I'm interviewing Dan, the real estate man, and he really gives some interesting insights into a niche real estate strategy that I really haven't heard talked about anywhere else. It's it's pretty interesting, um, as well as just some sound business advice and tips for how to um, start off with the six-figure side hustle and scale and how to operate with integrity. So I really hope you love today's episode. Welcome to the Six Figure Side Hustle Podcast, hosted by me, Sabrina Brooks, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of a highly successful public adjusting firm. I'm obsessed with reaching the two comma club just like you are. This is your all access pass inside the minds of high income earners, expert side hustlers, and entrepreneurs who have successfully launched, scaled, or diversified their businesses. We're sharing all kinds of business, marketing, and mindset insight. And trust me, our conversations are full of actionable tips that will leave you feeling clear on what to do next and motivated to take action. If you were born with an entrepreneurial spirit, are obsessed with business and marketing, and want nothing more than to create time and financial freedom for yourself and your family, this is the show for you. Let's dive in. Hey, Dan, thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited to uh, get this opportunity to interview you. I have so many questions. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you for for having us, Sabrina. Appreciate it. Of course, of course. So on Facebook, we know you as Dan the Real Estate Man. Um, You have a a really uh, prominent presence in Philly real estate. Um, and you're, are you specifically focused on multifamily housing? Yes. Um, multifamily properties, um, and actually like a niche of multifamily housing where I convert properties into multifamily dwellings. That's really interesting. So, um, how did you get into that? Uh, how I got into the multifamily, uh, uh, conversion process. Um, it was, it was kind of interesting. So I was in the multifamily space. Um, I'd say I, I started investing right after the collapse in like 2009 or 10. Um, so prior to real estate, I worked at SEPTA. So I was still a full-time, uh, employee and real estate was sort of like a side hustle. And at that time there was a ton of multifamily, uh, commercial property available. Banks were selling them cheaply. Um, because they were just trying to get them off their books. 
Uh, around 2016 is when the market really changed. Uh, people really started, started to come back, uh, started, started to invest heavily uh, into real estate, into, into that commercial space. So I had to find another way to, to purchase properties and get them at a really good value. And so I stumbled upon um, the zoning code uh, of, of Philadelphia and realized that inside of the zoning code that they allow you to build multifamily properties by right, which means won't have to go through the zoning process, won't have to go through the variance process, is what the city allows you to do. And it really gave me a, a big advantage over my competition because I was able to buy multifamily properties before they were multifamily properties um, and really uh, gain all that equity uh, because I was turning them into their highest and best use. So that's kind of how I stumbled into them. And then the other thing is that Philly has a lot of large properties. Um, they have a lot of old warehouses that, that play well into this niche. So that is, that is fascinating. I'm a geek. I love when I pick out little things within the codes and I'm able to kind of uh, use it to my advantage. So I want to unpack a few things. So you started investing when the economy is crashing, which is counterintuitive to how people do it. Um, and it's interesting because we're in a cycle right now where people kind of went through the same thing where they're buying at the height of the market and now we're cooling and they're kind of cooling as well. Um, but you said you started when the economy was crashing and you had a full-time job. Um, and I think that's interesting because a lot of people would assume that if you want to be an investor, you should quit your job, but you didn't do it, do it that way. No, I, I, I spent years um, actually trying to discourage, not discourage so much, but have, have people think about that. Because there was a big push to tell people, quit your job. If you have a job, you're a loser. I'm like, <laughs> no, nah, not so quickly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really think that. Um, so jobs really play a big part, I believe, um, in, in helping to build your side businesses, especially investments. Right? Banks love W-2 income. They love it. Um, and then my, my overall philosophy is real estate isn't going anywhere. So why, why jump off the bridge when I could build something out? And, then, and that's what I did. I gave myself a five-year window um, so that I could make more money with, on the real estate side than I was um, on my job. And then I exited my job, but, but I had a strong foundation, right? Versus quitting my job and having to scramble. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because yeah, they do make you feel, you know, all this fire your boss, like we'll fire your boss before you have it, you're making any money. Um, that's an interesting strategy. I guess it works for some people who are under the gun, but, um, you know, if you get yourself into a situation, so that is really interesting because yeah, uh, a lot of, I guess. Uh, social media and business, uh, people trying to get you into their business, whatever that may be, are a, that's not always the best practice because if you have an emergency, you really don't have anything to fall back on because 
you just went all in. Um, yeah, so that, I, I, and I do think that I do think there's a time to go all in. I, I think honestly, I think for most people, that's going to be a loser strategy, right? I, I get a lot of the phone calls um, uh, on on the real estate side of people who have done that, and. Um, and again, I'm not trying to make, it's not all doom and gloom, but a lot of times people don't make it. They just generally have to go right back to working anyway, right? Um, and then you you face the biggest problem, which is which is financing, right? So your first like two years out, it's difficult to really get any financing if you, if you don't have some sort of track record. Right. You're not showing some sort of tax returns where you're where where you're making money. It's going to be really difficult. So, um, you know, I think for most people, it makes sense to really build that build build that foundation, build that runway. So if you do run into some hiccups, not if you do, you certainly will. That's what you that's business in general. Right? You're going to run into some hiccups no matter what it is. And you want to be able to be able to. Um, withstand those hiccups. Right. And it sounds like it actually helps you when you're starting, not hinders you, because when you are going to the bank, like you said, they're looking to see, will you be able to pay back this loan regardless of anything that you're trying to do? Um, so that's that's really good to know. So you started buying properties in Philly, um, which I'm sure anyone who lives in or around Philly like myself is like, I wish I could go back to 2008 to 2012 when just you were probably getting these properties for like 10 and $15,000 for these giant monstrosities of houses that are like 3,000 square feet and up. And I love Philly um, architecture. Like I really have a passion for the old Philly design. A lot of it is built in the early 1900s. You're just getting these incredible deals. Um, and then you said at some point you stumbled upon a, a, a zoning code that's allowing you to buy large single family houses at single family prices. And then you do a conversion and you don't have to go through the, the headache of getting a variance to the zoning board. Um, how did you find that? Like, did you, were you reading through it and thinking? You know, I'm missing something. Were you looking for that something? So I, I, it, I won't pretend I get all happen at one time, right? Yeah, I, I was, I was always, I, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm a very inquisitive person, so I'm always wondering, well, how do people turn these properties in, into triplexes? Because it had been done before. And so that's when I started reading up on the uh, zoning code. Like, okay. And then I started recognizing a lot of the properties that I that I have previously purchased have those zoning codes, um, and then some of it was just trial and error, right? I go down to the city, uh, I'm trying to get a a rental license for three units, and they'll explain a lot of this stuff to you, like, oh, that's how that works, and it's just sort of sort of it, it built up over over time. But once I pieced it all together. I was like, oh, this is, this is powerful because like you said, it, it's when I'm purchasing um, properties and they're not always single family. So sometimes um, I do a lot of mixed use and um, I bought vacant churches, I bought vacant warehouses. 
um, to the to the lay person, they can only sell it to you as what it is, right? right? They don't have the they don't understand the zoning codes enough to understand what it what it could be, right? So if they're selling your property, like you know, they they're they're going to base it on what other vacant old warehouses have sold for, right? right? Um, and so you're able to get, you're able to buy it at even what they think is a fair price, but knowing, hey, I can, I can keep the highest and best use, right? And, and so you, you marry really good fundamentals, right? Buying a property at, at a really good price and then having a niche strategy that, that creates maximum value. Um, and I like that because I don't have to do as many deals as other investors, but I create the same amount of value and, and similar income. That, yeah, that is a very interesting strategy. Um, and you've been doing it for a long time. Obviously, you see how many competitors are coming in because to buy a vacant, abandoned, dilapidated warehouse in Philadelphia now is yeah, yeah. you're starting at the seven figures. like. Mm-hmm. I guess now they're like, oh, hold on. We see all these condos and we see, you know, all these, uh, you know, hip factory apartments and old mm-hmm. sewing warehouses and stuff like that, which is really cool. But um, so now you have a new set of competition, but you kind of carved that out. I would say in, you know, before this was a fad in Philly. Um, yeah, 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 and and then I I, I generally operate on so my my projects, um, I'd say my sweet spot is probably like five to ten unit buildings. Um, so some of those, so some of that competition, they need to buy larger buildings, right? right? So I'm buying smaller buildings. So in that space, I don't have a lot of competition um, because a lot of um, investors operating in that space don't have the expertise to pull all the pieces all together because it's more than just understanding the zoning codes it's about understanding how to how to underwrite the actual business model of it and how to do the rehab which is it's a fairly um involved rehab much more involved than if you were doing single family Right. Um, so it's 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 uh, if you haven't done those rehabs, that's a big leap. Not that people can't make it, right. but um, it, it takes a lot of um, uh, experience in that space. So what um, what did you do to kind of get that experience? Did you go through any programs or uh, certifications or anything that made you feel confident that you could take a warehouse and turn it into five or ten? Um, rental units i did i went to the school of hard knocks <laughs> <laughs> and i'm proud to say i just got my doctorate <laughs> and how much did that school tuition cost <laughs> oh my goodness it honestly that i had one deal i lost over hundred thousand dollars on so I, I tell people all the time listen you're going to pay one way or the other right you either pay through learning it on your own, which you can do, right. or you tap into other people. Now, the one thing I do a lot more of now that I wasn't doing as much when I first started is I network, I go to conferences. I see you do that a lot. You travel around. You want to get, you go to mastermind, get around people 
that have more experience, right? And so had I been doing that, yes, I could have avoided some of these issues. And I don't regret any of them because right. I learned a lot from them, right? But if I didn't have to go through them, that wouldn't have been such a bad, <laughs> such a bad thing either. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, you're going to pay one way or another. You can pay for someone else's knowledge, expertise, and experience, or you can pay to build your own but sometimes that's costly where someone could have been like, oh, you know, like a friend of mine, um, they completely rehab a property and didn't know along the way you're supposed to have, you know, in Philly, they didn't used to be that big on L&I. You could kind of do mm. what you want. And they built the whole mm. thing. And then they went to get the license and they're like, you didn't pull any permits. You didn't have any inspections. And then they came there like, you don't have any sprinklers. You have to take this all down. And they, that was a really expensive lesson. And yeah. all these people are like, we would have told you that for free. You wouldn't have even had to pay, but it would have been being in those rooms and having the right network of people to say, what are you doing? Like, this is not going to work out well for you. It's going to be very costly, both in time and money. and for some people, that might be the last deal. So when you had that six-figure lesson, that's a really good thing. What kept you going after that? Because some people, that would have been that. Like, oh, this, is, yeah. this isn't for me. So I, I get, and I, I get, I think some people might have. I mean, for me, that's never really been a real option to... Like, I'm just not a quitter. That doesn't even really come to me. But what it did was it made me realize that I had to step my game up. So I tell the story like what I was doing um, prior to that loss uh, was good enough. So I was a one man band, basically. Right. I was finding my deals. I was GC in my deals and I still had my tenants. And I was property manager. So I was all of these things, right? And that was that was okay when I was on one deal at a time, and maybe you know I had you know less than thirty tenants or something like that. I was manager. Um, but there there is a there is a point at which that's no longer manageable. Um, and so what I realized is like what got me to that level was not the skills necessary to get to the next level. In fact, I had to get rid of basically get rid of those skills and teach them to other people to be like the Dan I was basically. Right. And so I had to delegate that. And so what I did after I took that loss, um, I just, I stopped investing for like six months and all I did was plan and, and strategize. Okay. How do I do this moving forward? So I knew stopping wasn't an option, but I knew I could not continue to do what I was doing. I was going to continue to take those sorts of losses and, you know, that wasn't something I was interested in doing either. So yeah, so I took about six months and I just I just strategized. I read everything I could about about scaling, um, joined different groups. I read books and I just put together um, a, a plan on moving forward and I hired people, which is always scary because you're always concerned if you have enough money. Um, but generally, you can't afford not to, right? right? Because Otherwise, you're just keeping yourself small. It's it's really it's a it's a it's a mindset thing. I talk about that like a lot. Like if you think you're going to do everything, you're going to keep yourself really small, and you may make more money on say one deal 
but you're doing way more of the work where I could do, say, 10 deals and do almost none of the work except for find the deal and find the money. And I may only have to find the deal and hire somebody to find the deal. So I think it just goes to working on your mindset, changing that. That was, for me, during this whole process from from, from being a you know, blue-collar worker to where I am now, every elevation came with a mindset shift, sometimes brought on by pain, sometimes just brought on by the fact that I understood that some things I was thinking um, was holding me back. That's um, that's a really good point um, for the viewers who are part of the uh, Rainmaker Alliance. We believe in the three pillars um, of your net worth are your mindset, your skill set, and your network. And you've a little bit touched on all of these three key things that have helped you grow and scale and overcome, you know, some of the... Um, I don't want to call them failures, but some of the downsides of real estate and keep going. Um, you're really able to tap into some people and learn some really uh, interesting things, even as far as when you said you were going down to um, City Hall and you were kind of building those relationships and kind of asking questions, whereas a lot of people will try to do business over the phone. Um mm -hmm. You know, and they're just trying to rush you to get you off the phone because there's 10 other people and five people in line. But if you're one of those people in line, you know, um, and you're just asking questions, you'll get a little bit further. So um, those are all really uh, interesting points that helped you to uh, scale your business from, you know, I know you're well past six figures, um, but like you said, you started as this is a side hustle and we're kind mm -hmm. of doing it along the way, learning along the way, doing it all yourself. Um, and then you got to a point where you outsourced your job because your income, and then you got to a point where you outsourced yourself and hired all these people, um, which is actually the way that all the, um, you know, some of the wiser uh, real estate books and things are saying to do that. Don't, you know, don't quit your job. Don't go all in and hire a bunch of people because you don't know what is a good person to hire or you don't yeah. know when you're being scammed <laughs> yeah. um, without having some a little bit of knowledge. Um, and you could be scammed for years. Um, yes. And really it, it's going to be hard to train. It's going to be hard to train them if you've never done the job. You won't have the right expectations. Um, and it's not that you have to know everything. We should understand, have have a cursory understanding of how these different parts of your business uh, of your business operates. Like I, you know, I'm not a real big accounting person, but I understand I have to have an understanding. So when somebody's explaining something to me, okay, well this makes sense or this doesn't make sense. I don't I don't have to like be them, but you should be able to sniff out if this is like you know, nonsense or this or, or, or if it, if it makes sense and you can have a, uh, a reasonably intelligent conversation. Yeah, that's, that's definitely important, especially when you're operating in like major competitive markets where 
there's a lot of bad actors running around on the real estate side, on the contracting side, on the just on the finance side. There's like a, people out to get you. And oh, absolutely, straight scammers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any of those stories of you know what's I mean, going on out listen, there? Not to scare yeah, people, I mean, but just because there's you know a lot of books, a lot of personality types will make you think that this is easy and everything will go smoothly. So sometimes, you know, I encourage people to start a six-figure side hustle, but also to have a really realistic view of what that looks like and what you could come across. Yeah. I mean, so one thing I've tried to share throughout my whole process is when things go well and and when um, things don't. And I'm not... um, like the word failure doesn't bother me, right? And I and I, I, I agree. I don't necessarily call it a failure because I feel like failure is when you stop, right? right? But yeah, I mean, something I had, I've had projects that, you know, you know losing money, you certainly wouldn't get it. I'd like, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've had contractors that ran off with money. Um, um, I've had, you know, people that were going to partner with me that backed out and left me holding the bag. Um, so one thing I, I, I tell people, and because I encourage people, as I'm sure that you do as well, is to network, right? But you cannot let go of your common sense, right? Just because you may look up to somebody when they seem to be doing well, you need to verify things first, right? Don't be so green and so excited to work with people that, that, that you get rid of, get rid of your common sense. We should still ask common sense questions. We should still have structures. I, now, that's where I've seen people get scammed horribly, is people have a really good social media presence, and they suck people in, right? And people don't know. They're losing left and right. Like, the person they sucked into is losing money left and right. But by the time they get sucked in, then it is, it is too late, right? So make sure you, you, you don't just get rid of your common sense because somebody has a, a bunch of followers and they got a big presence, ask questions, talk to people who have worked with them, especially if they want you to put up money. If they ask you to put up money, you, you need to do your due diligence. That's a very good point. Um, very good because there there is an investor um and I wasn't aware of them, but they're from Philly and they popped up on like a reality show. I don't even remember which one, but when they were talking about Philly real estate, I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like they're from Philly. I started looking into it and I'm in the groups and they're like, that scammer, he couldn't make a dollar if someone gave him 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, and uh, unfortunately, there, there are more of those than there should be um, because... Some people are really good marketers. They, they and they present themselves, you know, well. They they know how to connect. Um, but ultimately, just you know, use the same common sense you would deal with anything else, right? Even with me, with anybody, right? right? You know, trust but verify, as they as they yeah. say. And I like the advice: talk to other people that they've done deals with, because if you're that great, then you'll have a laundry list of success stories of people who are, you know, raving about you. And if you're hard pressed mm-hmm. to find one person to say a good thing, 
you know, there's also mm-hmm. probably a reason. Probably for that too. Um, now you came up, I was in a, um, a networking group that met and your name came up um, last week. Uh, they mentioned how you were going along doing deals, funding. And then I think you took like a course um, on raising capital and that really changed the game for you. Um, yes. <laughs> let's uh, talk a little bit about that. Uh, since they uh, they were speaking very highly of you. So, yeah, when you're in a market, one, every real estate market um, is very, very close-knit. So if you're, even if you're an accountant, you'll know who's doing good in real estate. If you're in any industry, even correlated, you'll know who's doing good because they'll, they'll have positive things to say. Um, so even without soliciting, I already knew that you were very respected in this industry. Um, because your name comes Thank up you. a lot in conversations. Thank you. Yeah. So, so like I said, I've, I've always been very curious. So, um, going back to my days at SEPTA, I, I used to work for SEPTA. Um, once I decided I was going to get really serious, um, I was probably like a lot of people. Uh, I was like, I was on YouTube every moment I had like a break. I was on YouTube or I was reading books like that was that's like where my mind was at. And um, so I came across this concept of of um, private lenders. And I, I had never even heard of that. I, I, I didn't know that ordinary people would lend you money. I, I always just assumed it was banks. Right. Right. And so a lot of this goes to, you know, like goes to your upbringing. You know, I, I come from more like a lower income Upbringing, so a lot of these strategies were just like no, like no, what some private money? <laughs> You'd be lucky if somebody lent you twenty bucks. <laughs> you ask them back for the next. <laughs> hey, what about the twenty bucks I give you? <laughs> so, so once I found out about this concept, I, I became like, like I mean, fascinated. And then it was one individual that just turned up more and more on like YouTube. So again, going back to marketing well. And um, uh, and the guy's name is Alan Caldwell, if anybody ever is, is, is interested in it. But so I, I was following him and I saw he was coming to right outside of Philadelphia. Instantly, I, I, I just bought the ticket. I was like, oh, I've been following this dude for months. Um, and I would have probably flew somewhere else, but it just so happened he was like right outside of Philadelphia. So I went there, listened to what he had to say, it was great. And he offered a course. No problem. Bought the course. And then he did a uh, event. Um, it was down in Fort Lauderdale. Hopped on a plane. This is when I was still working. I, I took, I took, I took time off, hopped on a plane, went down, um, went through the whole course. I mean, it broke down the whole process to you. Um, and, and before I get to the end of it, I, I just want to just just make this that this is really important. Th- that's when it's so important that you gotta invest in yourself. You gotta invest in yourself. I'm not saying you gotta buy everything in everybody's course, but if it's something you know you want, something you know that can be a game changer, you gotta invest in yourself. Right? I mean, that's that's a big part of growth, not just business. Because it's not really about the money, it's about your growth. And 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 because you're expanding your mind and what is big. But anyway, so so I went down there. I took that course, um, learned, understood the rules, 
Um, um, because, you know, ultimately, I believe you have to, like, learn in front of where you want to be. So if you know you want to be here, you have to, be, like, learn there. Because if you just wait till something happens, you, you, it's going to take a lot of time to catch up. Right. So after that course, um, it, it just, it gave me the confidence to raise money. Um, and I remember um, the first time I had spoke with uh, some people about private lending. I was following, you know, his post bill. And um, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to maybe do it, maybe do it. And like back and forth for like a year. And um, I, um, so back and forth for a year. And then I remember it was January. January, like, I don't know, 2017, 18. Deal came up. He was, he was, he was like, he, he called me. He's like, okay, well, we're finally ready to go. And actually, at that time, I kind of like, oh, this person made me like, yes. But, but uh, called me, said, you know, I'm ready to go. First deal, I think he gave me 250000 Then the same month, he turned around and gave me like another $300,000. Now, since then, I mean, just this one individual with their friends, because what happens is once you become good, once you get people back their money, I mean, they've invested, I mean, millions and millions of dollars at this point. Because he bought his buddies and and everything else, and that's just one person, and that's just from learning one thing. So you know, imagine what I'm like. Uh, oh, this is fifteen hundred bucks. I'm not paying fifteen hundred bucks. <laughs> not paying fifteen hundred bucks that you lose out on millions of dollars. Millions of dollars because you don't want to pay fifteen hundred bucks. And I guess it's different if you don't have it and you don't have it. But if you have it and you're not willing to invest in yourself, why should anybody else invest millions in you? You don't you don't think you're worth investing fifteen hundred bucks? Or or you know, you know, so so that blew the doors open for 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 me. Since then I didn't really I didn't need um I didn't uh need any hard money. Um like ninety eight percent of my deals are privately funded. Every once in a while I may have to go to a, a, a hard it's been years since I've had a hard money loan. I, I actually I just closed on the deal Friday uh, this previous Friday. Um it was a private loan, it was fully funded. I didn't have to bring a dollar and left out of closing with like forty thousand dollars. You know, because it's a different way of doing deals, right? They're not like, oh, we're gonna do draws or no, just fund the whole deal up front. You know, it just makes your, it makes your investing, um, you can do a lot more, put it like that, right? Because is this, if that was hard money, I'd have to get down and like 15%. Be more flexible with the deal. Yes. You know, you got because points hard money lenders have and, no vision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to really build those relationships. So, you know, that's what I found with, with, with hard money lenders. You really have to find the ones. Who want to see you grow? Who who are who are invested? It's it's really a partnership, right? It's it's more than just transactions. That's one thing I would I would definitely recommend for anybody that's looking at hard money. Don't just look at it as just borrowing money. You want to build relationships. Like these, the, those lenders should be as interested in seeing you grow as they are in seeing their capital back, right? And if if you're not getting that vibe, go somewhere else because there will be people who are interested in it, in your growth. Um, but you know, you have to be out there, you have to be networking. Um, uh, it's good to tie in with people that are have those experiences because maybe they could save you going to 10 hard money lenders. Like I say, no, go there, <laughs> talk yeah, to them. Absolutely. They will be the ones and that's what we're talking about. Um, yeah, because that, you know, not all the hard money, uh, 
want to see you succeed because sometimes they'll get the deal back. And I've heard those stories where they're not really rooting for you. Yeah. But um, I do just because uh, we did bring it up and it's very, very enticing. I also want you to talk about how you knew you were ready to take on other people's money. I know you were studying it and you were aware it was a concept, but some people will think on their first deal, they should have their grandma empty out her 401k so they could do a deal. Um, can you just speak a little bit about like when you should start taking on outside funds? Because we all want yeah, to, um, to win. That's a really good point. Um, because again, when things become popular, sometimes people push it and you don't give it any sort of context. Um, so you, so you see somebody doing their first deal, asking to borrow money. It's kind of like, hmm, you may want to work the kinks out in your game first, right? It's one thing to lose money or not to be able to pay back your local hard money lender. They are built for that. Like that's their business. They understand the risk and all that. Um, they may even find a way to make money out of it. Um, but like you said, your, your, your grandmother's money that she's been working for, parents' money. I don't know if that's the wisest course, um, right off the bat. Um, I think, I think you should have a comfort level, um, with actually executing whatever your strategy is, right? If it's the bird strategy, if it's some other strategy, you should have the confidence that, hey, I can actually do this, right? Because if you've never done it, no amount of um, courses are going to really, uh, it's not the same as dealing with in real life. So you get the theory part of it, right? It's like going to college or school or whatever, trade school. And it's like, in, you know, and you're learning in, in the sterile classroom and then it's going out going out into the real world and getting punched in the face a little bit and bruised up. It's, a, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, so entirely different. Yeah, it's entirely different, right? The, 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 some of the pushback I think I get is that like, when I say these things, it's not sexy. It's not, it's not like, go out there and borrow everybody's money and, you know, get 10 problems in the air. It's like, like, what is the rush? You've been poor for 30 years. Give us <laughs> so one or two more years, they're going to kill you, you know, uh, give you. Give yourself some time because the idea is you want to build a lasting legacy, right? I can get it. Some people are going to move a little bit faster. All right. So now, when did I know? I knew when I I, saw, I had some of my own capital and I had assets. So, so I know, okay, worst case, worst case, if I mess this up, I'll sell one of my properties and pay them. Now, now, this part of it is big. This part of it is big. I cannot understate this. You have to have real integrity. I'm talking about like real integrity. So because most my private investors, they're trusting in me. Not even so much the product. Like they know I have the skills to get it done. But they right. know end of the day, if there's a bad deal, Dan Harvey's going to pay me back. Whether it's this year, two years, three years later, I'm going to be made whole. And because I said you're going to be made whole, Right. Uh, um, it, once you have, once you have that level of, of trust, and that comes from real integrity, it's hard to fake that unless you're like a true con person. But, you know, you know, um, you know, would you do have some of those? But, 
Um, that's when I knew it. When I, 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 I had some capital, I had some assets, I felt comfortable that, okay, worst case, I know I can make this person whole. But that's still the way I operate to this day. I look people in the eye. I, I let them know they, they, they have a comfort level of no matter what. Because like we talked about earlier, things don't always go perfectly, right? Projects go over. We have issues with contractors. COVID happens. Like you, you, you can't account for COVID. <laughs> you know, right. um, yeah, stuff happens. And so they need to be able to know that you're the individual that no matter what is going to see this through. And then vice versa, you have to pick people who want to see you when you don't want um, like a vamp size on your neck. Right. Which is why I never went after small money. Like, I'm not interested and I don't want to sound popular. I'm not really interested in your $10,000. It's going to be, you're going to be, you're going to be asking me about it in three months. Right. I, I, I need somebody that has, that has, you know, real capital, um, that they can put out there, um, and let it earn a decent return. That was a very um, powerful thing you said about integrity. Um, And I think that's probably the foundation of good business is operating with integrity because that's one thing that will always catch up with you. And you, it takes so long to rebuild your relationship because once you operate without integrity or you burn someone or it goes south and you're like, oh, well, you knew what you signed up for and you skirt off, um, that gets around and, you know, nobody's going to want to do business with you if they, if, if you're, if you've ever operated without integrity. So it takes so long to build a strong reputation and it takes like seconds to destroy that. Yes. Um, so I, I really like that you said that. And I also really like um, the very simple to follow metric for when you are able to take on money, which is when you can pay that person back in full. Um, you should not be learning and experimenting in this business on other people's dime if you can't pay them back and, you know, they've just lost their life savings and you're like, oh, well, you know, that's business. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely not a. Uh, it's not a good look. Um, and ultimately, that catches up with you. You very rarely see people who operate like that last a long time, right? Right. Yeah. And, and even if you go through tough times, people will generally will will be open to working with you as long as they know you operated with integrity, right? Because most of these most of these folks, all the folks I deal with. You mean some sort of business person, you know, somebody that understands this life happened, right? As right. long as you're, as long as you're straight up, this is the point I wanted to make. What I've noticed, and it doesn't have to do with money, but this is what I notice about a lot of people. They hate to tell you bad news, right? They just, they will, they will do anything to just not tell you something's not right. Now you already know something's not right. <laughs> they just don't want to come out and tell you. I found that in uh a lot of times with contractors, they don't want to tell you that they got in over the head and get, they'll just ignore you as if you don't exist. Um, and that's, if you have that tendency, you need to, you need to get rid of that. You need to learn to just face hard conversations head on. 
The easy way to do it is just to do it. Don't don't beat around the bush. Don't listen. Call them. Tell them what's going on. Um, because you will cause more problems by acting as if people don't exist. Even with tenants, I, I, I get that. You like we're trying to reach out and help them, and they like are pretending that they don't have a landlord. It's like yo, I mean, do you think that we're not going to evict you? Like you, you, you think know? we don't know where you live? Got to know where you live. Yeah, but that, I mean, that is a really good point. Also, if you want to be in business, if you want to be the boss, if you want to fire your boss, you have to have those big boy and big girl conversations and they're not always comfortable. And sometimes you're going to get yelled at, you know, and that's part of it. But that is, you know, that, yeah, that's part of it. You have to be prepared, you know, not everything goes well, but yeah, you can't pretend like problems don't exist. And that people will go away. They might go away, but they'll never forget what you did. And that mm-hmm. will contribute to your your reputation. So they might not even say anything. Like there's certain people, I don't ask for my money back, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's cemented in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had people come back around like years later, like, I know I owed you this money and you didn't ask for it, but here it is back. And that's probably the best feeling is when someone rights a wrong yeah you know um because i don't say anything i would just never do business with you again like okay yeah. and those um, people are few and far between that i've noticed <laughs> i've had that i actually when my first attempted real estate deal i was in college and i really didn't know anything i had gone through uh, a few 500 hundred dollar real estate courses um and back in the day it was like $500 course then $50,000 program mm-hmm. and they'd be like go get go get your friends and family to love you the money and I'd be in the hallway like you don't understand you need to empty out your 401k and loan me this money so I could go to this program and it's just funny because I think about how ridiculous I sound but I'm, so <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I should be a millionaire and you need to loan me this money. But so I put a deposit down, like all the money I had to secure a seller finance deal. And mm-hmm. they sold the property to someone else and they did not give me my money back. And that was mm-hmm. like all the money I had. So obviously I wasn't ready to be in real estate. If I'm scraping together half of a deposit to put down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really put me into some dark times. And I mean, I bounced back, you know, going through lessons and learning, like, don't do that again. Don't do a deal if you don't have all the money. Um, And I saw them at an event one time. They were actually speaking at the event. And I'm just like, wow, I wonder if everyone knows what a fraud he is. And he saw me in the audience um, or we were talking and he said, you look familiar. And I kind of, you know, alluded to what happened. And he was like, oh my goodness. And he took me to the ATM and he was like, they'll only let me take out $400. And then he mailed the check for like the other $1,100. Oh, nice. And that was, that was integrity. I mean, it was like 10 years later and I didn't need the money at that point, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, need, I, need, I, need, I need some interest on that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess I was just happy to have it back. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's moves like those where people are like, you know what? I really did wrong then and I didn't handle it right. 
You know, mm -hmm. I should have been honest. I should have, you know, I was in the process of going bankrupt and I didn't want to answer the phone at all. So he went into what you said, where people just won't answer the phone. They think people will go away. And, mm -hmm. you know, I did. Um, I wasn't like harassing, but, you know, I I'll, 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 I know everyone who loves him. <laughs> <laughs> you got it up here. I got it up here. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, yeah, those were some really good lessons, not just in real estate, not just in funding, but also just some good, really general business practices for conducting yourself with integrity um, and, and building a strong reputation. So I'm really uh, pleased with a lot of the gems that you gave to us that are counterintuitive to what you'll see other people saying. It's not, like you said, the sexy, fad, go all in, fire your boss you know, have everyone max out their credit cards, you know, <laughs> all those things. But this is how you build wealth. And it's not built overnight. You don't wake up with 25 properties, usually. No, no not generally. <laughs> I've heard of. And you don't, and, and if you do, you don't generally keep them. Um, that's the other thing. You can do a lot of things quickly, but you probably lose it. Or, or there is a potential of losing it just as quickly because it's built on sand, built on, you know, it's not built on, on, a, on a strong structure. And um, like I said, I mean, for me, I have a long-term goal, vision for my business and for real estate. You know, I, you know, I hope to be on somebody's podcast at 65. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Back in my day, I used to burn, you know. <laughs> I don't know why I was sound like that in 65, but <laughs> it could happen. That's so funny. But yeah, I mean, it's all a learning experience. Um, and it's really important to learn from people who have come before you and who have done it successfully and who have built a really strong foundation and not taking what you see for granted, like, oh, they have all this stuff. Um, let me follow them. Um, you want to find uh, a network and alliance who uh, operates with integrity, has uh, done their due diligence, done the research, done some deals. Um, and and don't be afraid to take your time. Like you said, you, you've been poor for 30 years. You know, if you take <laughs> two years to learn, yeah, that ain't going to kill you. Right. It's not going to kill you. It'll just stay off Instagram for a little bit and then you'll survive. <laughs> yes, you will. And, and, and thrive at that. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you loved it and would like to leave a review, I would be extremely grateful. That's the best way to help other entrepreneurs like you find the show. You can also connect with me on Instagram at business and make sure you're subscribed to the show. I had a blast recording today's show for you and I hope you got some amazing value from my guests. Talk to you next time.